right. Let me just uh, begin today by just telling you that I am stoked. I mean, I am excited. Look around here. I think there's about 25 or 26 people here. There are several others uh, that wanted to be here but couldn't be here because of work or out of town or sick or whatever. So let me just tell you that it is an exciting time uh, around the Grace Place. Uh, let me just tell you that... Um, uh, in my opinion, and I know uh, quite a bit about the history of this church, uh, our church is about 55 years old, something like that. And let me tell you that the church has never been more healthy than it is right now. Uh, the church has never been larger than it is right now. Uh, it's never been more effective uh, than it is right now. This is good times uh, around here, good times at, at the Grace Place. Um, our church in the 55-year history has uh, had its uh, times of ups and downs, had its good times, and had its not-so-good times. I know at least three times in our history the church was on rock bottom. I mean rock bottom. Uh, but God had a purpose and God had a plan for this church. Let me just tell you that I've been here now 11 and a half years. Eleven and a half years ago, uh, this church uh, was bankrupt. Eleven and a half years ago, this church um, had a debt of $1.1 million and no building. And down to about a core of about 75 people. How many know when you got 75 people, you got a million dollar debt? Uh, and the 75 people that you have uh, are, are, are beat up, they're bruised, they're wounded, they're hurting, uh, they're disillusioned. Uh, but God wasn't through with his church. And, and uh, I'm not going to take the credit for what the church is now. We give God all the credit. But I also want to give a lot of credit to those 75 people that stuck it out, that were here through the lean times, through the difficult times, through the hard times. Uh, they were here when everybody else was leaving. Uh, they were here when people said this church won't survive. They were here when, uh, you know, when everybody said it's the Titanic, you better jump out and get on a lifeboat. They stuck it out. And so kudos to those 75 people. Uh, but let me just tell you that, that, that things are great. Every single Sunday, records are broken here at the Grace Place. Um, you know, it's been the last Sunday morning. Let me just tell you, you know, 11 and a half years ago, down to a core of 75 people. This past Sunday, we had 461 people uh, in attendance on Sunday morning. We had 15 people baptized in water. We had an individual saved. We had several lives touched and blessed and ministered to. So I'm just telling you that you're, you're, you're at a good place and you're at a good time uh, for, uh, for, for the Grace Place. And, we, and I'm just excited. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you uh, at least have uh, said, you know what, I want to I know a little bit more about the Grace Place. I want to know a little bit more about what is happening and taking place. All right. The five-fold purpose of the church. We believe that the early church, the church found in the book of Acts, is the model for the church today. And we believe that the purposes that the early church had, uh, those are the, church, are, are the purposes that, that the church ought to have. The church ought to have. And, uh, and there are five uh, that I have uh, identified. Um, 
you know, before Rick Warren wrote his book, I was teaching this stuff. I just wasn't smart enough to write it down and become a millionaire. And, uh, of course, I didn't have the audience that he has. So I wouldn't know about what I sold. Or I would have sold about, you know, maybe a half a dozen of them. So it still wouldn't have happened. So all Rick, and I'm not throwing stones to Rick Warren. It's incredible. He just simply identified what the Bible says and uh, taught it and discovered, you know what, everybody needs to, to read this. And, uh, and he became famous and became rich. All right. So uh, that's that's my story. I'm usually a day late and a dollar short, okay? <clears throat> but anyway, let's look at those five-fold purposes of the church. Number one, the church ought to be inviting. It ought to be inviting. Or it ought to be, there should be fellowship. Fellowship. One of the purposes of the church is fellowship. Where do you find that? Well, I find it in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 42, talking about the early church, the early Christians, says they continued steadfastly, here it is, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So the Bible says that, that the early church were big on fellowship. You know, there's some people that don't think fellowship is very spiritual. And you talk about, you know, a potluck, or you talk about a picnic, or you talk about a coffee connection, or you talk about these things, and, and they think you're being worldly. They don't think you're being very spiritual or very scriptural. Well, evidently, they don't read their Bible. Uh, because the early church was big on fellowship. Fellowship. So that is a, a purpose or a principle of the early church. So A, the church, uh, I believe, is a family. The church is a family. And uh, as I uh, began to think about a family, there are four things uh, that a family, there are four things that a family does. Um, First of all, a family protects. A family protects. Um, I don't know about the rest of you dads, but I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to protect my family at all costs. Uh, uh, I'm going to protect them in every way I possibly, possibly can. Uh, Number two, a family provides. A family provides. Um, You know, when my, uh, when I got married, uh, uh, my wife, part of my family, I, prov- I provided for her. I've been providing for her now for over 42 years and will do my best to provide for her as long as we live. I'm her provider and I'm going to provide for her. I provided for my children when they were at home. And uh, I will still provide for my children if they have a need. Uh, I'll provide for my grandchildren. Uh, uh, a family provides. Family provides. If, 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 you know, if one of our, if one of our family members, you know, are having a hard time, maybe they lost their job or they got fired or they're having a difficulty, guess what? The family will chip in, right? And, and help out and, you know, either take them in or help pay their rent or whatever, because that's what a family does. A family provides. Number three, a family, a family has privileges. Family has privileges. My son-in-law is sitting back there. He is now my associate pastor. Uh, uh, Sean, how long have you been married to my daughter? 13 years? Oh, snap. I'm about to be in trouble. 
Uh-oh. Huh? About 13 years. <laughs> what year did you get married? Uh, 2002. All right. 2002. So uh, 12 years, right? Going on 13 years. All right. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, do, do, Sean, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know the day you were married? All right. Tell me what it is. Okay, June the 30th. Okay, 19 what? I mean, 2000 what? June 30th, 2002. Okay, let me tell you that June the 29th. <laughs> June the 29th, 2002. He was just Sean San Severino. <laughs> he was just a tall, skinny dude. Date my daughter. One of many. No privileges for that tall, skinny dude. Now, uh-uh. June the 30th, 2002, he became a part of my family. Now, June the 29th, 2002, he better not go open the refrigerator or the pantry or go get my keys and take my car somewhere. The dude better not do that. Without asking. But June the 30th, 2030, no longer did I want him to ask me if he could have a Dr. Pepper out of the refrigerator. Or make a sandwich. Or even use my car. Don't want him to, I mean, you know, if he uses my car, I want him to let me know. So, you know. But as of June the 30th, 2002, he became a part of my family. And as a part of my family, no longer is he just one of my daughter's boyfriends. By that time, of course, he was, I should have backed up really before they became engaged, but you know what I'm saying. But now he's a part of my family. Not just another individual, but he's a part of my family. As much a part of my family as my daughter, my son, my grand. He's a part of my family. So he has privileges. He has privileges. And I don't want him asking me, Dad, can I make a sandwich? Or can I have a Dr. Pepper? Or, or you know, uh, whatever. I don't, you know, because he's got privileges. What I have is mostly his. Don't, don't get in my bank account, son. Please don't do that. But. Why? Because the family has privileges, right? Number four, a family, a family produces. A family produces. <clears throat> now, let me tell you a funny story. My, my daughter and son-in-law get married. They go on their honeymoon. They come back. <clears throat> and we all make a trip to Canada to do a wedding together. Alright? So, you know, they're just barely married, just now becoming youth pastors at, a, at my son's church. <clears throat> they ain't got any money. So dad helps them with the trip. I don't, you know, they, they I'm not saying I paid their way, but I help them a little bit. <clears throat> and I said, alright, <clears throat> we're gonna have to spend the night in, 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 uh, in New York, waiting on our flight the next day to go to Canada. <clears throat> And we're only going to be in there from like midnight to like six in the morning. So uh, I'm not buying two hotel rooms. Okay, we're getting one hotel room. Uh, it's going to have two double beds in it. We'll all sleep in our clothes. All right? Okay. 
So here's my son-in-law, okay? Me and my wife are in one bed. Here's my son-in-law and daughter. They've just been married a week. In the next bed. We're all in our clothes, okay? My son-in-law, my son-in-law is so nervous. I mean, his father-in-law. I mean, he's in bed with my daughter, okay? I know he's so nervous he can't stand it. So we're laying there in bed. I say, Sean, it's okay. I married you. You have a license. I said, a week ago, if I caught you in bed with my daughter, I would have killed you. You have a license. I want you in bed with my daughter. But keep it down over there. <laughs> a family produces. A family produces. Okay? Alright? I didn't care if it was nine months in one day. But I wanted, you know, my daughter and son-in-law, I wanted, I wanted them to do what they're supposed to do. Alright? And I wanted them to give me some grandkids. Alright? And I waited ten years to get one. Okay? And she's awesome. Okay? And I want one more. And, and it's going to be a little boy this time. <clears throat> and his name's going to be Michael. I don't want very much. <clears throat> Alright. A family produces. Why did I say all of that? Because we are a family, right? The church is a family. The church is a family. And as a family, as a family, you should protect one another. If you're a member of the Grace Place, you should, you should protect me as your leader. You should protect me. You shouldn't get in some little holy huddle and talk about the leadership. If somebody gets in a holy huddle talking about the leadership, uh, because, because now they're talking about Papa. They're talking about Papa. You don't talk, you know what? You don't talk about my daddy. Now, I might talk about my daddy, but you don't talk about my daddy. And I'm going to set you straight if you talk about my daddy. And so if you're a member of the Grace Place and somebody talks about Papa, what do you do? You set them straight. You set, you don't talk about Papa. You don't talk about my leader. You know what? My, I've got uh, uh, two brothers and I had a sister. She passed away a few years ago. And they're all a mess. I'm the only perfect one of the bunch. And they're all a mess. But you know what? Don't you talk about my brothers. Don't you talk about my sister who passed. I'll set you straight. Well, you know what? If you're a member of the Grace Place, somebody talks about your brother or your sister, what do you do? Yeah, because a family protects. A family provides. A family provides. What do you do when one of your, one of your family members has a need? What do you do? You help them out. Doesn't mean you can pay their rent. Doesn't mean you necessarily take them in. But you help them out to the best of your ability. A family has privileges, right? A family has privileges. There's some awesome privileges that goes along with membership, right? And a family produces, produces. How many know that shepherds don't produce sheep? Who produces sheep? Sheep, who are you? Who am I? Do I produce a sheep? No. Now, I'm also a sheep, so as a sheep, I ought to produce sheep. But I'm a shepherd also. As a shepherd, I don't produce sheep. I nurture sheep. 
I, 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 uh, I, I help sheep. I, I, I mentor sheep. I help them out. I, I, I uh, what's the word I'm looking at? I, I uh, heal, help heal sheep. I do these kinds of things, okay? You need to produce. You need to produce. If you're brand new to the, to the grace place, let me tell you that you have a realm of influence that nobody else has. Well, all of you do. You all do. And I want to encourage you while you're new, and I don't want you to snatch somebody out of somebody else's church. That is, I don't want you to do that, because I don't want anybody else doing that to us. But let me tell you that you have a sphere or a realm of influence that we don't have, and you need to use your influence. And if you know somebody uh, that needs a, a good church, a quality church, a safe church, you need, to, you, you need to be telling them, hey, hey, I've discovered an incredible place. It's called the Grace Place. It's on South Collins. It's about a mile and a half south of I-20 on Collins. It's an incredible place. You ought to come, and you ought to use your, your influence to help bring them. Alright? Alright, the second purpose of the church, the church should be invading, should be invading, or it should be, it should, it should have, it should be a part, it should, it should do evangelism. Mark 16 and 15 is the Great Commission where we're to go into all the world and preach, uh, the gospel. Uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse, uh, 42. Uh, Acts 5 and verse 42 says, Daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So they did, the early church did evangelism. Alright? So how do we do evangelism here at the Grace Place? Well, A, we do it through local outreach ministries. Local outreach ministries. Let me just give you a few of them. Uh, we just did one just a few weeks ago. Remember the back, the, the backpack giveaway? The backpack giveaway. Uh, our church uh, bought 200 backpacks. Our church filled those backpacks with school supplies, and and we we gave them out uh, to uh, to needy families, to families that needed help that could not afford to give to buy backpacks and get and 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 buy school supplies. Uh, we did that, and, and and we also on that Saturday we we went to Parkland Point of Apartments, and we. We, we did a puppet show, and we had some music, and we had uh, face painters, and we had uh, a balloon artist for the kids, and, 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 and we got people together, and, and we talked to people, and we invited them to church, and they came, and we presented them with the gospel. We had Muslim, we had Muslim people that were here, and although none of the Muslim people uh, came forward and actually made the commitment forward, but Pastor Sean, we had uh, connection cards with Muslim people that said they made a decision for Christ, and others uh, that made commitment uh, to Christ through through that. Through that, uh, that uh, Pastor Steve is uh, periodically takes our youth and, and young adults and takes them uh, to uh, uh, the soup kitchen and, and works there uh, and does some uh, inner city stuff. Uh, we have a kids crusade every year and and and. Uh, and with this kids crusade, we have a carnival and we do different things. We have uh, uh, an annual uh, trunk or treat. Uh, and through our trunk or treat, we pass out uh, flyers and people come to church and people get, come uh, on, the ne- uh, on the next Sunday and come to Christ. And, and just different things that, that, that we do 
uh, locally. Other things that doesn't come to mind, but different things that we do. And then B, through church ministries. Through church ministries. Did you know that, that little boys are leading other little boys to Christ uh, through Royal Rangers on Wednesday night? Uh, impact girls. There are girls, there are girls and boys that are coming to church that don't go to, they don't have a home church, but they come here on Wednesday night and they, and they find Christ and they get discipled uh, on, on Wednesday night. Uh, Pastor Steve, uh, has kids, uh, saved every Wednesday night. Uh, kids are giving their life to Christ. Um, uh, Pastor Steve is the, uh, uh, he is the chaplain of the football team of the Seguin, of Seguin High School. Um, uh, he speaks regularly at Pantego Christian Academy. Uh, he does, there are all kinds of, of, of local church ministries where, where the gospel is getting, uh, presented. See, uh, through home and foreign ministries or missions, through home and foreign missions. Let me just tell you, if you want to know, uh, my heartbeat, my heartbeat is two things. It's two things. Uh, and this is in no, no order. They're, they're, they're both my heartbeat. And that is, number one, caring for people. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Caring for just genuinely loving and caring uh, for people. And then number two, missions, 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 missions. We have a dream. I call it Dream 135. Dream 135. We're in, we're in year three of Dream 135. The dream goes like this. One million dollars. Our church will give one million dollars above operating expenses, above our regular tithe and offering, above everything else. From our people, we will give one million dollars to missions. Remember, eleven and a half years ago, our church was bankrupt. And now we're going to give $1 million to missions. The three stands for three million souls. I'm told, I've used their statistics, but I'm told in the sentence of God, with every dollar invested, especially in foreign missions, three souls will come to Christ. There's one ministry, Doug Eccles, he comes every year, and uh, he uh, has, a minist- has, a, has a worldwide ministry, and we invest in his ministry, and he says for every dollar we invest in his ministry that four people come to Christ. So, but we call, so Dream 135, one million dollars given by our church, that one million dollars will translate into three million souls that will go to heaven and not go to hell because of us. And we're going to do it in a five year period. Didn't say we're going to give a million dollars a year, but in five year, in a five year period, we're going to give a million dollars. That means we've got to give at least $200,000 to missions every year to get, to do a million dollars in five years. Let me tell you that we're behind. We're behind. We've never given a $200,000 to missions these three years. The first year I started, we gave $190,000 to missions. We almost got there. The next one, I think, was like $165,000 to missions. And last year, I think, was about $165,000. Commissions. Okay, this year we are we're, we're behind. We're not we're not uh, we're not we are we're just behind. We're not online to give the two hundred thousand dollars commissions this year either. Here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that it, we are just really seeing new people come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. We have just in the last three months we have jumped. We have jumped. Uh, probably uh, Pastor Sean, we've jumped uh, maybe fifty people. In the last three months. Okay, if that continues, 
uh, in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next year, if that continues like we've been doing, uh, then that last year and a half or last year, who knows, we may give three or four hundred thousand dollars missions, okay? And here's what, here's what's great. I'd rather shoot for a million and give seven hundred and fifty thousand than to shoot for a half a million and give a half a million. You know what I'm saying? Am I giving up on the million? No, I'm not giving up on the million. But I'm saying the fact that we have this dream and we're pushing for it, even if we don't get there, we're going to do something unbelievable and incredible. And and let me just tell you that uh, if we look back for about the last eight years, you put those together, we've already given a million dollars to missions. Wow. And let me tell you, my heartbeat is that before I'm through, and I don't know when that is, but before I'm through, I would, I'm not, it's not a, it's not a promise, it's a plan. That's my new slogan. It's not a promise, it's a plan. But I want to tell you that I, I, I can foresee the day that when our church can give a million dollars in one year. We'll take five years, we can do it in a year. That's, that's what I want to see done. Alright? So, um, so that's our heartbeat. It, it's missions, 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 missions. And, and we want you to be a part of that. Alright, number three, and I'm going to move really quick now. Because I'm way behind. The church, uh, the fivefold purpose of the church, the church should be invoking, invoking, or it should be, it should be worship. It should be about worship. About God's, uh, uh, um, God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him should worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let me give you five things about our worship. Five things about our worship. Number one, our worship, A, our worship will be reverent. Our worship will be reverent. We believe in having a good time at the Grace Place. We take a little bit of liberty at the Grace Place, um, you know. Um, and we have fun, you know. Pastor Steve takes a little bit of liberty when he has. Pastor Sean has his liberty. I uh, certainly take my liberty. And, and, we, and we have fun and we have a good time. Uh, but we also know when, when it's worship time, it is, and it's all worship actually, it's all worship. But when it's time to really worship God, uh, we're going to worship God and we're going to be reverent. We're going to be reverent in the, in the house of God. The Bible says there are beings uh, that their entire job, 24-7, uh, Revelation 4, verse 1 through uh, uh, 8, uh, says that, there, that, that day and night they do not cease, but, but, but bow before the throne of God and cry out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. They never even take a breath. They never take a, a, a break. They never stop. That is how worthy and deserving God is. And so we, we understand that our worship will be reverent. B, our worship will be relevant. It will be relevant. Relevant. Well, you know, Pastor, why don't we sing, you know, I'll Fly Away anymore? Uh, why don't we sing uh, the old, you know, hymns of, of the church anymore? Listen, I'm not throwing stones at the hymns of the church. And every once in a while, we will throw in, throw in a hymn. But let me, let me tell you that when the hymns were, were, were so awesome, uh, they were relevant to their day. They were relevant. Uh, let me tell you that when the hymns were introduced to the church, uh, uh, it, it, the people got just as mad at the preachers and just as mad at the leadership of the church for bringing the hymns in as, uh, as people do now when we take them out. They were cutting edge. Did you know Peter and, 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 and Paul and Silas, uh, they didn't sing Amazing Grace. You didn't know that, did you? 
Okay? Okay, I don't know when Amazing Grace was written. Probably in the late 1700s or early 1800s. Okay? Uh, the early church didn't sing the hymns. And when the hymns were introduced to the church, the church didn't like them. And the church was mad. And the church divided. Okay? Uh, and so now that, you know, uh, we want to sing off the wall... And we want to sing a hymn, and we want to sing a chorus. Uh, then you know, uh, then people want to get mad, and people want to get angry, and people you know, get upset. Well, it's nothing new under the sun. Okay, got to understand. Uh, we're mad today because the preacher don't wear tie. Well, let me tell you that when the preacher started wearing ties, the people got mad because that was worldly. Only the world wore ties. And then the preacher started wearing ties, and that was worldly. And now when I don't wear a tie, some people get mad because I'm worldly. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. Okay? So, um, so our, our worship is going to be relevant. It's going to be relevant. It's going to be relevant to our day. It's going to be relevant to our day. Okay? Um, so, um, uh, nothing wrong with the hymns. I grew up singing the hymns. And let me, let me tell you. And, and, then, and then people today will say, well, they sing the same songs over and over. Well, you know what? When I was growing up, we sang the same hymns over and over. We sang them so much that me and a deacon, uh, you know, named that tune. During the church service, we would do that. Uh, when, the, when the song leader would announce the song, the, the book out of the song, uh, we, would, we would see who could name it the fastest. Uh, and so the song leader would say, uh, turn to page 144, we shall see the king. Uh, turn to page 150, when we all get to heaven. Uh, turn to page uh, 167, come and dine. I mean, come on. There's nothing new under the sun. All right? It's just different people in different time, okay? So we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be relevant. We're gonna be relevant. And let me tell say to the older people, to the older people, and I'm getting to be one of those people, okay? Okay? Uh, you know we had our day. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a part of today's church, but listen, come on, let's you know what? We're gonna die. And some of our people are gonna die pretty quick, okay? You know, because we got a man 89 years old in our church, okay? So he's not going to live forever, okay? So if we build the church for the 89-year-old, you know, when he's gone, there's going to be no church. All right? So what I say to the older people is, you know, we've had our day. And what I say to the older people is also, don't you want me to reach your grandkids? Don't you want me to reach your great-grandkids? Well, I can't reach your kids and your grandkids with church like it was in the 70s or in the 50s or in the 80s. Okay? Has anything changed today? Anything changed today? Huh? Oh, I don't have my phone in my back pocket. But nobody can live without their phone today, right? Okay? I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But, you know, I, I remember we didn't live by our phone. Things are different today, okay? So let's, let's be relevant. Number three, I'm getting bogged down again. Our worship will be responsive. It will be responsive. What do I mean by that? Well, 1 Corinthians says that, you know, when we come to church, we're to be a, we're to be a participator, not just a spectator. We're to be a participator, all right? And so it'll be responsive. We, 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 don't want you, we don't want the worship team just to put on a show and you just stand there and, 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 and watch. We want you to participate. 
you to participate. We'll talk a little more about that when we get into the next, the next seven. D, our worship will be regulated. Regulated. 1 Corinthians 14 and, 14, uh, 14 and 40 says everything should be done decently and in order. Our worship will be regulated. What does that mean? Listen, let me tell you that we are a, whatever flavor you want to call it, whatever word you want to put it, we are a charismatic, uh, uh, Pentecostal, full gospel, whatever, whatever tag you want to put on us, because there's so many of them, we fit pretty much most of those. Uh, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe they're still to be operated in today. But we also believe that there's order. There's order. And, and, and I'm going to tell you that some churches, it's just a free-for-all. Have you ever been in a church where it's just a free-for-all? Where it was just a three-ring circus? And just anybody could do anything they wanted to do anytime they wanted to do it? And they called that spiritual? I call it out of order, and so did Paul. Okay, so do we believe in, 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 in messages in tongues and interpretation? Yes. Do we believe in prophecy? Yes. Do we believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Yes. But we also believe that there is a time. There's a time for that. And that it should be done in an orderly fashion. And so, and so our worship is going to be regulated. You're not going to stop the pastor's sermon to give a message in tongues. That's out of order. Does that mean we don't believe in messages in tongues? No. That means that we don't believe in interrupting the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is using the pastor to deliver a message, then, then, then someone is not going to interrupt the pastor with a message in tongues. If they are, if they do, they're going to be nicely asked to hold their message till the end of the sermon. Well, the pastor thinks he's somebody. No, no. Our worship is going to be regulated, and I'm the regulator. Not because that's not arrogance. I, I'm the leader of this house. Okay? I'm in charge of this house. And so I'm going to regulate what happens and what doesn't happen. And I'm going to be responsible for that. So if so if so if I if I use my authority to set somebody down or not to allow something, don't worry about it. It ain't on that it ain't on them, it ain't on you, it's on me. It's on me. Okay? So, so what I'm telling you is, let me tell you something. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, let me just tell you who we are. I'm not going to let three people have a hallelujah hoedown and 450 people stand around with their hands in their pockets and, and, and getting nothing out of the service. How many has ever been in a kind of service like that? Does not mean I don't believe in a hallelujah hoedown? Does it mean I don't believe in, in allowing the Spirit to move? No, that doesn't mean that. But let me tell you something that there, I, I've discovered in 42 years of ministry that there's, that in every service there, there are enough emotional people that if I wanted to, I could work something up and we could have a whole hallelujah hoedown in every service, but a handful of people would get blessed and the rest of the people would leave the service and get nothing out of it. Okay? And so it's my responsibility that not only two or three people, uh, you know, get to run around the building and jump up and click their heels and have a hallelujah hoedown. My responsibility is that everybody gets an opportunity to worship. Everybody gets an opportunity to hear the word. Everybody gets an opportunity to be prayed for. Everybody gets an opportunity to respond in the altar. Does that make sense? I need an hour to teach this, so hopefully, if you have any questions on this, please come and see me so that I can clarify the fact, yes, we are a Spirit-filled church. Yes, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, we will allow the gifts of the Spirit to move. And yes, it will be done decently and in order. All right?
Okay, number four, uh, the church should be involving, involving, or it should be about discipleship. Discipleship, we've already talked about that. So A, discipleship includes teaching. Includes teaching. Uh, now let me tell you that you get teaching on Sunday morning. I've discovered, I kind of, I've, my ministry has kind of developed. My wife said, you don't preach like you used to preach. Well, I'm not 17 anymore. I'm not 27 anymore. I'm not 37. I'm not 47. Okay? My ministry has evolved. Okay? Okay, so, and, and I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I, I have been an evangelist, but I'm a pastor. Okay? So now I'm kind of, I call myself a preacher. A preacher. Okay? Uh, I still have kind of the, the, the preaching flair. I still have the kind of, <laughs> uh, I have, uh, the preaching style. Uh, but there's teaching in every minute, in every message. And so kind of I blended my style with my, with my content, so it kind of makes me a preacher. Okay, so every Sunday morning you get teaching. Okay, you get teaching, you get preaching every Sunday morning. But that's not enough. You need systematic teaching that comes on Wednesday night. And so you need to come. Don't just come celebrate. You need to come cultivate. And you need to come uh, connect on Wednesday night. So discipleship includes teaching. And you need that systematic teaching that takes place in our cultivation classes on Wednesday night. B, discipleship includes training. Training, not just systematic teaching, but but what training, uh, and we do that special times throughout the year, intentional training, and and we do that, we do that uh, with our individual ministries. All of our individual ministries are doing that. And now that I have Pastor Sean on board, we're going to do more of that, more of that intentional training where people are trained. Uh, how to minister, all right, and how to, how to do their ministry. All right, and then number five, the, five, the fifth purpose of the church, the church ought to be investing. Investing. And that's giving. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 talks about tithing. And we'll talk more about that in, 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 another, in another segment. But we expect our members to be tithers. I didn't say tippers. Actually, I wish you were a tipper. Because the tithe is 10%, and a tip should be a minimum of 15, 18, 20%. So really, you know, we say that as a joke. Don't be a tipper, be a tither. I wish I could get you to be tippers. Because tippers are 15, 17, 18, 20%. But we expect our members to be tithers. Tithers. And not only should they be tithers, but they should be givers. You know, we talk about the fact that, that in the book of Malachi, it calls those that are not, those that are not tithers, it calls them thieves. It says they are robbing God. But you know what? It doesn't just talk about tithing there. It talks about offerings. Offerings. So, you know, so we should, so we expect our members to be, uh, tithers and we expect them to be givers. Mm-hmm.